Well, hello and welcome to the new series of Countryside with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. And a couple of months off, Kiri, and no end to the work, though, on the farm. No, everybody's busy at the minute, getting ready for winter. Some of the cattle are coming in and being housed. And uh, everyone had a fairly good harvest, so lots of straw and barley around for, for cattle in particular. And obviously, it's a bit sporadic with the weather, a bit wet and a bit dry. But, uh, yeah, I think people are OK going into it so far. Yes, there's lots of muddy entrances to the fields at the moment, isn't there? So uh, apologies to people on the roads, but it, it just can't be helped, can you? It's where the track go in to feed them uh, and that's where a lot of them gather so it's just been such a wet spell hasn't it there hasn't been many dry days it really has lots of localized flooding so it's, it's just got to be careful out there in the countryside it's just different from one year to the next drought one year a bit wet this year yeah and of course uh, not great weather for bees flying but it shouldn't be really out at this time of year you went along to speak to some of the people at a, a big convention for the Isle of Man uh, Society that's right St John's there at the 70th annual beekeepers convention and exhibition a lovely display of the wares all things to do with honey and the bees lovely photographs too simon of, of great captures of bumblebees and wasps and all sorts of animals landing on the flowers there in our gardens and the different plants that help you know we, what we can simply grow in our gardens to help the bee population as well you know, sycamore is just one of the best and we tend to see that as a bit of a weed don't we yeah that's the trouble isn't it but uh, also i helped to hal- uh, celebrate halloween uh, i was at the derby uh, transport museum uh, some beautiful old buses and transport means there and it was a great setting for an old tradition Hopchune here in the Isle of Man where a lot of people volunteered together to help make it memorable for the kids and for the adults as well with the trips on the old buses so you can hear all of that here in this week's Countryside. Hello and welcome to the brand new series of Countryside here on Manx Radio. I'm Simon Clark and I'm Kiri Kermode. Recently I went along to the 70th annual Beekeepers Convention and Exhibition in St John's. And I went along to the Derby Transport Museum to help celebrate Hoptune in a different way. Kerry, it's nice to be back on countryside, isn't it? It certainly is. Now, you've been doing lots of trips away to some sales and things, um, as well as keep an eye, of course, on your own farm and how the livestock is going through the meat plant and everything locally as well. And things still fairly stable? Yes, fairly stable. Uh, with Brexit delayed, has given a little bit more confidence in the farming industry. So sales did actually pick up as soon as that was announced. Um, coming into the winter months, it's always tricky. It's been quite wet recently and, and stock have been quite hungry. But uh, generally, they're looking in good fettle and, and ready for the winter. It's nice to get across the UK to see how we're faring up. And as far as the meat plant goes, it's in a good place competing with the UK markets. So things are progressing nicely with Isle of Man Meats as well. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a tricky thing and um, people think oh because the clocks have moved now and it's darker in the evenings and you know a bit lighter in the mornings and it's amazing how it affects animals you know the roosters and all they, they don't understand <laughs> crowing at all sorts of strange hours the cows are expecting to get in you know this is it it doesn't change in their world does it and uh, probably didn't change for many farmers that morning either but it is it's nice get up get started and get on with the day and then have a, a few more hours in the evening with your family because 
in the summer months, you're never in, are you, before 10 no. o'clock? So it is quite nice to have a bit more family time in the evenings. It is. Of course, Hop is done and dusted for another year and celebrations all around the Isle of Man. And one such different one happened at the Derby Transport Museum. And I went along to speak to some of the people from the museum, some of the kids that were there. Uh, Chloe Woolley from Culture Vannon. And firstly, Joe Collister, who uh, is part of the education process of the Manx and different hat on her this week at the Jerby Transport Museum. Yes, that's right. Um, I help out up at Jerby Transport Museum and last year for the first time on Hop Tune, um, 31st of October, we did a Hop Tune, Hop on the Hop Tune bus at Jerby. So it started off last year with some funding from Year of Our Island um, and then this year we're lucky enough to have carried it on with funding from Culture Vannon. Um, so all sorts of activities, promoting Hopchune and like community stuff, I suppose, really. Um, face painting, we've got refreshments, we've got some magic. Um, going around on the vintage bus, hop on the Hopchune bus, the old vintage bus with the open back door is great as well. Um, and then we've got Manx music and dancing, the Hopchune dance with Chloe. Brings back certain memories for me because of the, the old bus where you we hop on the back of it that's uh, how I started off my journeys to school so I suppose a lot of these kids will be wondering what the heck's going on with these sort of old machinery yeah you forget how different they all are so of course you get on the bus now and the bus drops down the you know don't know how it works hydraulics is it no idea uh, so you get on and there's no problems but the kids now they're clambering up steps and they're realizing you know the differences but they they're allowed to get on the exhibits here at the museum so we're normally open um, Tuesdays Saturdays and Sundays uh, Easter to October it is so we're shut now for the winter but when we're open they can get on the buses it's not like you know don't touch and everything they're allowed to explore and they often comment on the smells and the feel of the seats you know the seats used to be that prickly sort of material always go through your trousers or your tights the kids are always commenting on how they smell and how they didn't feel. have that problem myself but no tights at you <laughs> But they're talking about smells. There's a certain aroma of uh, of turnip around about the place. Yes, it's a bring your own turnip, pumpkin free zone. So uh, we've had my brother and Adam carving turnips all day. Um, they've got the drills out, otherwise there'd be some spoon related blisters going on. Um, but yeah, it's great. People come with their turnips, and then with their adults, then they can sit down. June and Adam just do the the main bit, and then it's up to the kids and the adults then to to carve it out with the spoon and put the face in. So yeah, get the hard work. It's a right of passage that. Yeah, they must have got through a few today. Yeah, well, I've just I've been clicking people coming in all day, and we're on 250 people, and we've got another couple of hours to go yet, which is amazing. Yeah, and is, is this different than the last time you you ran it? Well, I think more people maybe know about it, which is great. Um, but people, they can come at 10 o'clock in the morning and there's no, you can go on the bus as many times as you want. The kids are running around looking at the exhibits and stuff. So people are just sitting down with a brew and having a lovely time. That's what it's all about. Well, Chloe, uh, Culture Van, uh, deeply involved in this. And of course, the traditions of Hop Tune are, are big amongst Culture Van, aren't they? Oh, yes. It's probably one of our favourite uh, festivals of the year. And um, over the past deca decade, we've built up the resources that are available um, for educational purposes, also for events like this, community events. So yeah, we're spreading the word about Hopchine and all the songs and the traditions. Um, there's a lot to go on. And we'll be doing the dancing on every half hour here at, um, at Jerby. 
So it's really good fun. It's something that everyone can get involved in, have a go. Well, it's uh, certainly, there's no heating in a big hangar like this, so I suppose the dancing will be handy enough. And the kids, have they been enthusiastic so far in the dancing? Yeah, we had um, kids, but also um, parents and grandparents as well getting involved. So, uh, no, it's been lovely. And, yeah, my fingers are a bit cold in the old fiddle, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, no, it's been lovely. And we'll probably try out some songs as well soon. Yeah, and what, what are the, have you got any of them to sing any of the traditional hop tune songs because uh, that's always a, a mighty topic amongst people of the island isn't it, oh, it the, is. the different versions yes well um, we haven't heard the jerby one yet so we'll have to ask uh, one of the locals which one that is but yeah yeah i mean it's amazing how many different songs we have and uh, new ones all being discovered all the time and what about the the new thing that I've learnt this year as well? And I, I'm not a youngster by any means. This upside down turnip. Well, that, yeah, I've always been familiar with that because I think because my mum's from Peel, and uh, but mine's been um, carved this year uh, in the northern way. But sh- yeah, in Peel, they're always yeah stalk at the bottom. So you're both very pleased with the with the turnout that's been today, and you know there's loads of kids. You can hear them all chatter in the background with excitement. They've been on the bus. They've seen some magic and things like that. It's been wonderful, hasn't it, Joe? Yeah, I think it's good as well having something up in the north. I've tried to um, share what Milne Town are doing in the wildlife park, and I know that Jerby Community Centre do stuff as well. So I shared that. So it's good that people can come up here, you know, rather than everything being in Douglas. Um, and as I say, some people have spent the day up here, spending the day at Jerby. Mm-hmm. Some of them, I think, are inside them learning how to start a 1954 Leyland bus as well. <laughs> I know. I've just spotted a few kids getting on a bus and they've just shut the doors, actually. I'm not sure where they're off to. They're banging on the windows. <laughs> so what's your name? Elaine. And when you at the Derby Museum today, what, what, what made you come here today? Um, I just really wanted to carve my turnip. Oh, right. And did you bring one with you? Um, yeah. yeah. Do you have one every year? Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, and they used a, a special machine to drill it out today. That was quick, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. It was. You didn't have to do it all with a spoon. No, <laughs> like pumpkins. Did you put a nice face on it or a scary one? A scary. Oh, did you? Oh, I still need to carve out my mouth. Oh yes, um, but then will you be out tonight singing hot tune? Yeah. There you go. Good. Um, what about the bus trip today? You went? Did you go on the spooky bus? I did, and it was actually really bumpy. Was it? Yeah. yeah well, it's quite old. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't have a door. No. no. You've been dancing too. Was that to keep warm? No, we were learning Manx dancers. Yeah. Was that fun? Yes. Okay. Oh, you're going to come again next year? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Well, Chris Machen uh, from the Motor Museum here at Jerby, um, you must be pleased with the amount of people that's come in. Fantastic. It's great. It's the following of last year. Uh, we started then, we were successful then, and Joe has certainly put on a real show today. But, I mean, what what seems to be the attraction with people coming? I mean, the hot tune is a big thing here on the Isle of Man. Um, and they've come to a place where there's loads of old vehicles here. And there's been particularly uh, interest paid by the youngsters and adults alike in, in the machinery as well. They love it. They love the buses. They can go on the buses. They can touch things. Uh, the little cars, they can sit in those. We have no problem at all with them. And the children are wonderful. We, don't have, we have very little problems.
And there's such an array of machinery in here and vehicles, isn't there? Oh yes, we've got to watch that some of the implements that we've got are dangerous in their own right. As long as people don't actually touch them or try and turn them over, then they're safe. Yeah. I mean, what's the oldest machine that you have in here? Oh golly, I don't know. There's one or two saws <laughs> round the corner there. Yeah. This bus here, uh, the Thornycroft bus, 1927. Really? Yeah. Uh, if we could get it right, uh, it needs a head gasket, but we may have it out next year for next hop June. Right, and that's been an attraction where the bus rides and a lot of these, um, never mind the children, mm. a lot of the parents will have never been on one of these buses that you, you hop on the back, will they? That's true, that's true. I mean, I went to school on these things uh, years ago and, uh, you know, you can still enjoy them now and see the driver struggling to turn the corners with them. It's <laughs> yeah, not much on the way of power steering and the no crash power, gearbox. No power steering, as you say, a straight cut gearbox. Yeah. But that was the, the challenge of them. Everything's made so easy for everybody to drive now. And even, I suppose, it, it helps your interest in preserving these. That They are a challenge. They're probably simple enough to fix if you can get parts. But the driving of them, there's a technique to it. There's a technique to driving them. Uh, and the drivers, uh, they've got to be skilled. Uh, this particular one here, this Thornycroft, which I keep going on about, uh, needs a specific driver to drive it because the pedals are all in the wrong places. Really? In what, yep. in what way? In the old days, uh, I'm talking of 1920s, the throttle pedal, the accelerator, is in the middle where the brake is today. So consequently, if you come to a crash stop or you have a panic, you hit the brakes and there aren't any there, it's the power. So uh, it accelerates. trouble. Yes. So we may never use this uh, in public service. Right, you need a special license for it. Yeah. Yes, yes, you have to have a special driver for it. And there are one or two people drive for it, but we can take people out in it, providing we don't charge. Right, okay. Now, the, this is a, a sort of one-off that you've let them all in here, because are you officially closed now for the winter and you'll be doing bits and pieces to some of the other vehicles that's in here? Well, that's right, and we have the heritage fleet coming in uh, over the winter because we can't leave them out at Bank Circus. They get terribly damaged due to the weather. So we bring them in here uh, as we look after them and whatever we can for them uh, because the vintage fleet is, well, it's priceless. Yeah. It's absolutely priceless, and yeah. Uh, then, of course, I think it's Easter then, back into full flow. We'll be back in full flow. Uh, we may have another event. We I'm talking to Joe about it. Uh, an Easter egg roll, doing the similar sort of thing. So we'll see what happens. Just watch this space. Well, it's been brilliant. And uh, everyone, I suppose, is grateful for you and the museum team here for, for letting uh, the kids and the, the education part of and Culture Vannon in here. We'd love to have them here, uh, and the children particularly. And during the summer, you know, you'll find out that the kids, nothing to do on a Sunday. Oh, let's go to the museum. And they know that they can be let loose in here without the parents worrying too much. Well, some of the kids, also Chris Machen as well from the Jerby Transport Museum, Chloe Woolley and Joe Collister. And uh, a wonderful event uh, with the bus, the old bus going around. Some of them couldn't understand climbing on the back of it without a door that's how i used to go to school <laughs> oh, on the old bus like that 
now you're showing your age, Simon. Yeah. But no, what a great experience to go back in time and to have people like Joe Collister. You know, there's very, very Manx and, and keeping those old traditions alive, but giving an opportunity to the modern day children yeah. all in the same way. What a great setting for it. There was, and lots of people there helping on the day, doing teas and coffees and uh, carving the turnips out for them, you know, with the things and helping them along with it. Uh, it really was a fantastic day out. <laughs> You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, it's uh, been a big year for the Isle of Man beekeepers, Kiri. It really has. They go from strength to strength and just how important the bee is to, to the whole of life and the, and the cycle itself. But... It's always great to get to a beekeepers event and this time the 70th annual beekeepers convention and exhibition uh, incorporating the honey show uh, in St John's and I popped along on the Sunday afternoon to see what was going on. You never know from one year to the end how anything's going to re- well, result wise as far as honey goes but I mean the quality again is first class and there's quite a lot in. You know, I mean, if you look at the the, the exhibits there, there's a, a group of exhibits, you know, uh, and there was three of them on uh, um, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve jars. Wow. And and they've all got to be matching. Oh, the, my goodness. You don't have a bubble in the glass or anything <laughs> like that. Otherwise, it gets chucked out. So we've got those guys, and there's three of those, three, three, three groups of those, and all the other honeys in different colours and flavours and what have you, and then all the produce as well, re- uh, made by the members and also these flower decorations which are yeah, artwork. I mean, it must be WI women in here. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Like you said, you've done a great description of the whole of the whole. But how do the, the colours of the honey alter? You know, some are very pale, some are you know, quite quite dark, and then there's obviously the crystallised stuff. What makes the difference between them all? Well, the, the difference um, in colours is the source of the, of the actual nectar, the plant. Yeah, I mean, you listen to a lecture about Rose Bay Willow Herb. Well, that it just looks like water near enough. It's hard, it's colourless. You get clover, it's golden. You get heather, it's got a reddy tint to it. And does the Isle of Man have a specific one that's quite common? Like, we've got a lot of gorse, we've got a lot of heather, Mm. I suppose, and good good fields of clover. So what would be the most common one? Well, clover was, is could be the bulk crop if you if you are, if the, the season's right. Yeah. Just depends on the weather. Yeah. But um, uh, brambles are very good. Blackberry blackberry is tremendous. Got deep roots and it's. And it's there's been a lot of blackberries this year, yeah. Harry, hasn't there? Exactly. It's impervious to drought or whatever. So you always get something from that. But also you've got to have the sun. <laughs> they won't they won't give up the honey or the nectar, I should say, unless it's sunny. You know, around here, where my I keep bees, we get the heather, and it's beautiful stuff. It gives that absolute super flavour to honey, you know. They are. And you can taste it. Oh, yeah. Every honey's different. Is that what Vanessa, yes. Vanessa Dew, the judge here today from Northern Ireland, she'd be looking for something, you know, all, all, they all look di- all very different, they, look, they taste very different, and do you think that would sway her? Oh, yeah, I mean, I, she, for instance, uh, she wouldn't have the variety of stuff that we get here. I mean, I, I mean, you, you, you're in the farming, you know what it's like, and our farming's like days of old compared to where they are, and you know, in England and what have you, the great fields, massive prairies, in other words, and you know, sort of respect. But ours is the old basic farming, and also the uh, we've got no disease which we've got to contend with like they have over there. So there's no chemicals going into our bees. That's the beauty of it, you see. Uh, and and the, the thickness, I mean, she liked what we viscosity, and it's quite thick. That's low water content. And our honey this year seems to be 
predominantly that way. Mine, mine was absolutely beautiful for lack of water in it. Well, it's only 17 to 18 percent water content, and then it's perfect. And how has the year been for the bees? It's been a fairly steady year, I suppose, hasn't it? Well, funny enough, it's not. Last year was outstanding above all. This year we had a, those spells of indifferent weather and then sun, indifferent weather and sun, and that has a big effect on the gathering. Because if the flowers, if you remember she was talking about uh, the flower is open and it's ready to secrete nectar to the bee and if the weather's not right or whatever, it goes past that stage and there's nothing left for the bees to get. So that's what happens. And we even had that with the, with the brambles and that. They couldn't get to it because the weather was so indifferent. They missed out on a lot of the blossom. But eventually they got it because yeah. uh, it's a very sustainable thing. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just totally like you in farming. It's weather, weather, weather. This is it. Yeah. And will it um, alter the amount that you will get from a yeah. hive in a year? Oh, yeah. yeah. Most definitely. Um, if, if you have a crop that uh, would be beneficial to decent weather and the weather is not good you'll you won't get it you yeah. see simple as that and it depends on where you actually are situated with the colonies what you get yeah. simple as that yeah yeah, yeah. one and year good one year bad and here um tonight harry there's many many people keeping bees mm. i thought it was a dying ass oh no, no gosh no 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 we've got about a hundred over a hundred members that actually subscribe to this federation and to the bbka british beekeeping association but there's a lot of other beekeepers as well and we get a, a crop every year of new beekeepers uh, they come in and some fail fall by the wayside but we retain some and of course human nature says people die off so you know how it goes this is it so but we we sustain the number actually and and the keenness is here i mean you actually saw it yourself uh, it's pleasing to see it this pleasing uh, you know, and, and, and I'd say that, and it's a super product, you know. Uh, it really is. And it's got so many medical traits oh, as well yes. that help, doesn't it? I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, oh, yeah, get an ulcer here, it'll cure your leg ulcers and, and things like that. And it's very good for colds and stuff like that. It's a, it's a natural product, it's straight in the bloodstream, honey, you know. Absolutely. So, how do people get involved, Harry? Can they get in touch easily? Yes. Well, I mean, we're freely available on the web. Uh, and also, I, me myself, I go around quite a lot talking and so forth. So, it, uh, I just they ask me a question, I answer it and say, right, get in touch with so and so, which happens. You know, we've got three associations, so given the the the, the, the uh, email address or telephone number, and they'll, they'll act on it. You know, but yeah, it's, it's a hobby. I, I've I've been keeping them 51 years. I always wow. wanted to keep them. Yeah, simple yeah. as that. And I I learned from uh, the late Herbie Quirk how to do it out uh, and I learned that and uh, you never stop learning by the way nobody knows everything about a bee I can tell you but that. you too Harry you you know you've taught me so many things over time and my my younger brother as well <laughs> and you know, people are so interested and to pass that knowledge on is so important we do well yeah I mean and, and just, we had Louise Whiteleg today opening our show and and she related yes. to the fact that uh, uh, we, we've now broadened our outlook we've got the, the Th- three legs project in Burundi and it's it's working, and I'm so pleased about that. You know, I, I, uh, and you can travel so much, like you say. You know, you're around the world giving your <laughs> talks now. You're you're a very private man here, not to letting on. But people, you know, they want to learn. Mm. Bees are so important to life. Mm. Absolutely, essence. As Einstein says, I usually end some talk or other. Four four years without bees to pollinate, and you're finished. Where is it? Where are you going to get your crops from? Isn't that a scary thought, so, Harry? Desperately so. Yeah. 
Yeah. Gwen Kelly, congratulations, the best exhibit in the show here today. Tell us what you did to get that prize. Um, the Blue Ribbon was won for the three beekeeping products made from honey and wax. We made um, hand cream, hand and body butter using beeswax and oils and essential oils. And I made a cough cure using honey, lemon and ginger to be used when you've got a sore throat and also made some honey snaps. Oh, and they'll always go down well, the honey snaps. But congratulations. Is it, is it difficult to make products out of honey? Because, you know, there was such an abundance on show here today. But, you know, it, it isn't the easiest product to work with. Bees to start with. <laughs> Once you've got the honey in the jars, it's much easier. <laughs> we made cough mixture and you can make furniture cream and polish using beeswax. The cough mixture, we use honey. And um, then we made cakes using honey as well and going to the cake section there Gwen you, you won pretty much everything in the confectionery side of it the honey cookies honey fruit cake fudge oh my word it just looked brilliant it was stiff competition between you and Scylla Platt but you came out on top is it something you enjoy doing is, is the cooking side of it yes yes if I've got plenty of time it's wonderful <laughs> and the fudge you don't really often hear of honey fudge that's quite a new thing is it uh, no, we've been. It's a recipe that's in the schedule that we make each year. Different people make it each year. It's very, very sweet and very, very sticky. Yeah, yeah. So um, a little goes a long way. Yeah. But not only did you take part in that side of it, you took part in in the jars of honey as well. And you did. You came away with some prizes on that section too, even though the boys dominated a little bit today. Yes, we've got a few seconds and thirds, which. Um, it's always good to see new beekeepers coming through and win, winning lots of the prizes and. Um, as I say, it's all time and getting your honey's perfect for the show. When we were talking to the judge, Vanessa, she's from Northern Ireland, she said it was so lovely that a lot of the, the hot jars of honey were different aromas, depending on what the bees had been foraging on. And we were just chatting there before. It does make a difference to, to the animal what they eat. Oh, certainly it does. Last year I had some beautiful light-coloured honey, but there wasn't a trace of it this year. It was all a medium golden honey this year. And do you think that makes a difference? Would you rather the darker or, or the lighter honey? Um, it is different flavours. And last year we did have an awful lot of clover honey because of the long, hot summer. And it was a beautiful light honey. But this year, the weather being so changeable, um, we just the bees just gathered what they did. And where you are, uh, Gwen, I, at Bala Shamrock in Port Sodrick, there would be a lot more... I suppose wild garlic or more gorse running down towards the, the, the Port Sodrick beach there. Does that affect what, what honeys that you have? Oh yes, they start, they start on the dandelions and garlic and then they move on to the hawthorn, which we've got an abundance of hawthorn bushes. Um, then there's sycamore and all the trees in Port Sodrick Glen and then the bramble on the hedges and um, all the, when the, then the wild... Rose Bay willow herb and whatever wildflowers there are around. The you mentioned the sycamore there, Gwen. You, d you see sycamore as a tree. You don't ever see it. Like, you always think the bees will go for the prettiest flowers in the garden. What, what is the educational part there that, that differentiates? Well, there's more nectar and pollen on one tree than there is in a, maybe a, a, an acre garden. So people, if you plant a tree, especially fruit trees um, and ones that bear berries, they're excellent for the bees it's probably better to plant a tree than 
and then a few flowers in your garden. But uh, yes, the bees will find it. If you, if you plant it in your garden, certainly the bees will find it. And I think a lot more people now are actually, you know, very, very conscientious about what they're doing. The Isle of Man are very, very lucky that our bees are disease free yes. and they're wanting to help. So what advice would you give to just a normal person in the street to have a little garden there? What to keep in it? Oh, herbs, lavender, rosemary, um, thyme, sage, any of the herbs and any of the flowers that are single flowers, the old-fashioned flowers and shrubs, ketoniaster is very good, um, especially the horizontalis. You'll, you'll hear the bees in that in, the, in May and June. It's, it's wonderful to attract the bees and, um, oh, can't think of many more, but any, anything that has a single flower on and... Uh, trees as well any fruit tree the bees yeah. will go for it the fruit tree it is such a such a waste to just grow a random tree it is nice you know a fruit tree will grow anywhere it doesn't have to be a proper plantation for for fruit you know the soil will grow a tree won't it it will it will and the sycamore trees seem to grow everywhere they spring <laughs> up like weeds don't they? they really do but you know people might be a bit worried that attracting bees to the garden might affect the children or, or the dogs or the people around there but they're just busy doing their own thing the bees will ignore you um, if you just if you just see a bee and just walk away from it don't run and don't flap because that will attract them they'll but um just walk away from them the it doesn't matter whether the honey bees the solitary bees or wasps or fruit flies your garden will be alive with them if especially if you grow lots of flowers and you don't spray yeah. how important is it to keep an eye on you know that's a slug pellets and different things that are put around the gardens for the wildlife you know does it have a detrimental effect certainly does if you put slug pellets down uh, it might kill the slug but then a bird might come along and eat it as well so the best thing to do is just uh, put a pint of beer out and let the slugs crawl into that <laughs> and they'll, they'll die happy yeah <laughs> well congratulations to you it Congratulations, Gwen, for today's results. But it is so lovely to see the younger members getting involved. Yes, yes, we've got quite a few new beekeepers coming along. Scylla runs the classes each springtime, and uh, we have lots of new beekeepers coming through. And uh, some, have, as you can see today, they've won prizes. James is about 15. He's got his own hive, and he has, he's got his own honey. And his mum is a new beekeeper as well. So there's, uh, it's... Well, hopefully for the future, it's, it's boding well. Vanessa, welcome back to the Isle of Man. I believe this isn't your first visit. Many moons ago you were here. Yes, this is my third visit to the Isle of Man, so it's lovely to see it. Yeah. And it's nice that I haven't changed very much over the years either. Well, that's, that's quite a thing because a lot of the landscapes, you're from Northern Ireland and across England, are now, you know, very different, quite intensive farming. You know, everything's a little bit more sterile. And here we say we're of the yesteryear, maybe. Yes, it is lovely. It still feels sort of it's untouched, which is great. Lovely. And that would be great for why you're here, for the beekeeping. Yes, it is. It's really great to see so many hedges and trees still intact. And smaller fields as well, I've noticed too, because it's, you know, we tend to take out the hedges to allow bigger machinery in and that sort of thing. Well, I was listening to your talk there, Vanessa. There's, you were saying, some of the more untidy farming is probably more beneficial for the wildlife. It is. It, there's a new thought now to leave bird cover, so a, a couple of metres a, after the hedges, before the fields, because it's a benefit to wildlife and all pollinating and bees of course as well so if everybody would do that 
it would be a better place. And you're saying about bees, you've been involved with the beekeeping all of your life from the, the very young age of 14. How yes. did you get involved? Well, my dad is English and actually from Liverpool. And when he, when he then came over to Ireland and ended up marrying my mum, and uh, when he told us about when he was in England, he knew somebody who kept bees, but he never actually helped whoever this was he just mentioned it in passing and whenever I was wee I had every animal going <laughs> and I said oh can we get bees oh, and wow. he said well why not but we hadn't a clue so we got a hive and our <laughs> local minister kept bees and he gave us a swarm of bees but he didn't stick around to help he just assumed my dad knew it all and we hadn't a clue. We didn't even have a bee suit. <laughs> Imagine giving your child a hive of bees and no bee suit. I mean, really, that just wouldn't happen. <laughs> so word. that was my introduction to bee beekeeping. So the first few years were exciting, to say the least. So oh, from wow. there on, it's yeah. We, the bees survived in, in spite of us, not because <laughs> of us. But I'm happy to say yeah. that after a while I realised we'll have to learn properly. Mm-hmm. So then um, joining your local association and doing the exams is the most beneficial thing you can do if you want to learn. And that is exactly what you've done. And now you're the teacher. Yes, indeed. <laughs> now I'm actually teaching people and telling them all about the funny stories of what we used to get up to, what went wrong. And I mean, I'm first to admit that yeah. plenty went wrong and yeah. nobody in this room today yeah. would, uh, would uh, disagree. You know, yeah. uh, everybody has disasters with beekeeping and gardening and all livestock. But that's how you learn as long as you learn from what went wrong and how you can put it right for the next time. Well, this is it. And alongside your bees, Vanessa, you were saying at home, you're a very, very busy lady. You have livestock. You have a small holding. You know, you make your own produce. You sell your own produce. A B&B and milk and goats. How do you fit it all in? I get up at five o'clock and I make lots of lists. My life's one big, long list, never ending. Time management's very important. Um, so we sell a lot. The goat's milk is um, a lot of our customers are young babies and young children from when they're weaned they can't take cow's milk or formula milk and so they try the goat's milk and it's raw unpasteurized but we don't give the goats anything you know so we can't we're not certified organic but it's as good as you can get yeah yeah and, and that's really, really nice, isn't it, Vanessa? You can turn what you produce on your small holding into a product that's so essential for life and, and to make a little bit of money out of it. Yes, and it's lovely for the customers because they can come up and see, they can meet the goats and even have a goat milking them themselves. <laughs> yeah. And we get a lot of people come to stay in the B&B and they can do the course. We do courses in um, milking goats and so on, goat husbandry, beekeeping, gardening, so people can come and stay for the weekend and do the course as well. And that is the other side of your business too. You know, you're a garden designer. You know, you get to travel quite a bit with that. Yes, I've been all over. I've been, I've been to the Isle of Man. Um, I've been to Jersey. I've been all over England, France, all oh, over Ireland. Wow. Yeah, it's been amazing. And New Zealand as well, I forgot about that. <laughs> so yeah, it's a great job that you can take anywhere. Well, this is it. And these are all passions of yours, Vanessa. You know, you don't ever see it as a job. No, I am happy to say my job is my hobby. And I never really feel as if I go to work. And in fact, I never actually say I'm off to work now. Because I just feel as if none none of it actually feels like... If you went to a boring job in an office, it would be nine to five and you're just 
looking at the same four walls all the time. I never go to the same place twice. No. So and the weather's always changing. So even though I'm up at five and I'm out milking the goats, but you see the sunrise and that's spectacular. And that honestly, the novelty never wears off. No. That. It, it really, really doesn't. But what little piece of advice would you give someone with a, with a bit of ground? You know, maybe they've got like a little back garden or something like that. How can they help? Like today is all about bees. How can they help with that area? Well, if you just do less. So try and don't be so tidy. Mm-hmm. Leave the hedges. And when the leaves fall in the autumn on the lawn, just leave them alone. And eventually they'll blow into the hedges and disappear. Um, because the habitat for hibernation for hedgehogs and all that sort of thing, you know, you need to really do, people should do less rather than do more. So be less tidy, leave the leaves alone, um, try and leave, even if you can't bear it, if you really want to have a tidy garden, if you can leave a corner of it alone, even behind the shed somewhere and let it go wild. Yeah. Yeah. If everybody did a wee tiny bit, it would make all the difference for wildlife. And what kind of plants or bushes would you recommend that are maybe, you know, easy maintenance that can still be really, really good for the bees? Lavatera. Lavatera Barnsley is one of the best. It's evergreen. It has beautiful pink flowers. It flowers from June right through till November. It's still in flower at the minute. And all you have to do at the end of November when it has finished flowering, you just give it a good hard haircut and that's the end of it. And then it'll be back next spring. And it's evergreen and it's a brilliant source of nectar and pollen for the bees. And here today, Vanessa, you were judging the honey and I was chatting with Harry about pollen and the different plants that provide different colour. And it will alter, you know, for you collecting the honey out of the house, you can see what time of year it is by the different types of pollen you're getting. Yes, that's right, all through the year. So it's very important to look at your calendar and, and plan your planting to suit because it starts off with sycamore and dandelion which is a weed but it's brilliant for bees and then it goes on to blackberry which is in the hedges and um, rose bay willow herb which is also a weed and then it goes on to the ivy and meadowsweet meadowsweet would be august ivy would be september or well october right through till about march and then we have snowdrops hellebores all those sort of things so if you just go through the year and try i'll put it on my website a, a, a year round pollen pollen and nectar supply for bees well this is it and you mentioned some of those flowers and, and plants you know they're very simple snowdrops we can all have a few of those in our hedges yes. or our gardens and dandelions the yes. first thing you do is you want to go out and strip the dandelions off but isn't that absolutely fascinating that they're so important yes dandelions are a very interesting plant as well they are a heavy supply of nectar they're one of the best suppliers of nectar but in fact they don't need bees they're self-fertile so they actually don't need pollinated so it's a bit of a mystery blackberry is the same blackberry doesn't need insects to pollinate it because it's self-fertile but they are also um, a very heavy source of nectar brilliant source of nectar um, the proper term is apomixic. Apomixis is the um, proper term for it, where the flower violets are the same, and they're also a great source of nectar for bees. And this time of year, now November, December time, how important is it for us to keep an eye out for the bees? Because there'll be, you know, 
maybe things are getting a little less to eat and potter around. People have been advised to put syrup out. Is this something that you would advise? No, definitely don't put anything out, please. Don't, don't do things like that because people leave out jars of honey and that's a really bad idea because you don't know what's in that honey. If it's come from China, if it's come from a supermarket and you think you're doing a good turn, it's actually probably been imported from China or somewhere like that and it could be full of anything disease-wise. So please don't set out empty jars of honey for bees. You can do is just leave... Ivy is a brilliant winter source of pollen and nectar for bees. So if you want to leave the ivy in the hedges, the hedges are full of it at the minute. We're going to even see a tree here just out the window and it's absolutely covered in ivy. So, I mean, if you just left that alone, the bees will probably do fine just with that. Your main reason for coming to the Isle of Man was to be the judge of the Honey Convention and the exhibitions here today at St John's. What did you make of it all? It was a brilliant show. The effort that went in was phenomenal. I was really impressed. It was really, really good. And the exhibits were a a real huge number of exhibits in a lot of classes. And it took us two days. I didn't think it would. I know I actually thought, I mean, you can normally judge most of our honey shows in easily the morning and I was thinking that take two days but actually we were at it here from seven o'clock last night until ten o'clock and then this morning we had to start at eight o'clock <laughs> and we were still at it about a quarter to one. So what were you looking for in particular? There was so many jars of uh, honey around the hall you know I know they're in different classes but what were you looking for in particular? Well the, the main thing that you're looking for is the honey that you're looking at is supposed to be for sale in the shop so whenever I'm looking at that I'm looking at the standard the quality clear it has to be clear no um, granulation in the bottom no um, anything floating in it like maybe a stray hair or whatever that's got in off somebody's jumper Mm -hmm. no um, wax or bubbles on the top Um, clean and clear when you hold it up we would hold it up and shine a torch in behind it so that we can see that it's clear so um, also when you have say two jars or 12 jars in the class we want to see that they're all consistent because you imagine if that's going into a shop the customer has to be able to walk in and see that there's maybe two or three if they want to take two or three jars that they're going to be all the same so um, a good standard they have to be properly labelled so the label has to include the name and address of the person who, who brought the honey, who put it into the jars, um, uh, best before date, and um, where it's from, the country of origin, so it would be Manx honey in this case. So we're doing that, and we're looking for um, good aroma. Then whenever I take the lid off, the first thing I do is have a good sniff for aroma, and then we put a glass rod in, and pull it out to test for viscosity, which is the thickness of the honey, because you don't want really runny honey, you want really nice, thick honey. Um, So we do that, and then the last is the taste test. And some honeys look good, but don't taste as exciting, or maybe have no flavour. It depends what the bees have been foraging on. Um, And will that make all the difference, what they've been eating? Yes, yes, it does. a lot of honey, it depends what you... I like ivy honey, but the trouble is when you're a judge, it's subjective. What I like is not necessarily what somebody else... So you might have 
two or three different judges would give two or three different opinions. So um, actually, when you ask a question to a beekeeper, you'll get probably five different answers. <laughs> and, and beekeepers then will have a great discussion because they do like to have a good argument about things. All very friendly, I think. And um, actually what they call it, you know the way you call it a flock of geese? Mm -hmm. And maybe uh, you call it uh, an ostentation of peacocks? Well, a group of beekeepers is called a disagreement of beekeepers. (laughs) Now, I hope that wasn't the case here on the Isle of Man for you, Vanessa. I think you're all still friends with me at the minute anyway. (laughs) I don't think I've made too many enemies as a result of my judging. But the mead as well, I forgot to mention the mead class. Oh, spectacular. There were eight bottles of mead in here. Normally they don't expect so many. My word. But there were a couple of fizzy ones and uh, different... It comes in different shades. It depends how much honey is in it and how long it has been left to mature. Some of them were absolutely gorgeous. That's an absolute credit to the Isle of Man beekeepers to have such lovely compliments like that. But not only the, the jars of honey, Vanessa, you had home bakes, jars of jam, you know, the flower arrangements. It was very different probably from what you'd be expecting. Yes, well, we usually do have um, a cake, a uh, confectionery class as well and a craft class and also the photography class so it was really brilliant and it's a really hard it's a really hard decision because they're all brilliant and they're all when you think of the effort that people have put in as well and when you're standing looking at two or three exhibits and they're all so different but they're all you can just see the effort that has gone in it's so hard for me to decide it's really awful but I'm glad I think I haven't made any enemies today (laughs) I hope not anyway it'd be lovely to be invited back that was Harry Owens, the president of the Isle of Man Beekeepers Federation, Gwen Kelly, a winner of many classes, and Vanessa Drew, the judge from Northern Ireland. Yeah, mighty uh, event that sounded though, didn't it? Oh, it was really, really great. And so many jars of honey, but all different shades. And it was a lovely afternoon. And the light coming through into the St. John's Hall uh, was just glistening. And it was a credit to them all. But... Um, something for everybody young and old and it's something that if you short something to do in October definitely try and get along to that a great great show yeah and the honey has just been part more and more as years go by of, of people's diets aren't they with the natural sugars that's in it well that's right Harry and Vanessa both championing the, the great product and you know for healing for medicines just its natural properties that do us really really well and to hear Vanessa there um, saying that leave the the gardens in an untidy state don't be disappointed with it but you're leaving a home for all of the wildlife so uh, as bonfire night is well with us we've got to be careful for the hedgehogs in the bonfires in the leaves indeed well that was this week's countryside hope you enjoyed uh, listening to what's happening in the world of the bees here in the isle of man and uh, just everyone who's got them sort of got them the, the, the things they have to do in preparation for the winter is quite incredible as well to keep the bees uh, going through the through the tough times, isn't it? It is. It's, it's just really, really tricky. But we were really lucky here on the Isle of Man that we've got a great beekeepers federation. And um, Vanessa Drew, the, the judge that came over from Northern Ireland there, was commenting on how good our beekeepers are here and how we've kept all of the clubs open and running. And uh, it's such a, a, a really, really promising thing in the calendar still. The young people are coming and attending the young beekeepers Keepers courses with Scylla Platt from Port Erin and, and you know anyone can go and join them so you, you don't have to keep bees to attend a course but uh, just to have a bit more respect for what's going on in our countryside and how important those bees are. We certainly are and uh, the 
Hoptune celebrations, and it's something I think over recent times has had a bit of an uplift. You know, there were so many kids and and adults alike that were dressed up in the spirit of Halloween at the JB Motor Museum. It is great, isn't it? I suppose in America it's huge trick or treat and Halloween, but I love how the, we still kept our traditional Hoptune with the old turnip and Ginny uh, the Witch and the, and the traditional songs. And the children here are, you know, stepping back in time and and embracing that rather than the what they see on TV is um, the norm, I suppose. Yeah, there you go. Well, you could have got all the makeup off from your witch outfit <laughs> for tonight's programme. <laughs> but we'll leave it there. We're back uh, next week with more from the countryside. So for me, Simon Clark. I'm me, Kerry Kermit. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You old moot. Thank <laughs> you.